website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. Hello, my name is Akane.、Um, you can't find me on social media. Unfortunately, because I'm private. Yeah, that's right. You're you're not a you don't have a social media presence, but still, I think、um, you know through me,、uh, you are quite engaged with the the stationary community. Yes.、Um, so yeah, for、uh, those of you who are listening right now, obviously、um, Jacob is、uh, not here with us today. He's、uh, taking a break for、um, his studies. He's studying for an exam, so he won't be joining us today. So instead, what I thought would be interesting is to bring a very special guest. Now, Akane has obviously already introduced her name, and、um, I just want to give a little bit more of a background in the sense that we we are a very、um, niche podcast, and we talk a lot about、uh, things that are very specific to I think、um, people who are already in the hobby. But I think one thing that Both Jacob and I lack in perspective is how, let's say,、um, non-collectors or how casual Japanese users, let's say even you know regular Japanese people, how do they see, how do they、um, consume and perceive、uh, the kind of stationary market here?、Um, you know, are they aware of the kinds of variety, and and are they aware that this is not something that is Prevalent all across the world, so I thought it would be interesting to bring Akane、uh, into the podcast to talk to us about this,、um, and so that will be the meat of the podcast today. Yes, I'm your run-of-the-mill Japanese、um, <laughs> local citizen that you can just throw a rock in the street, just hit any、okay. anyone, and that will be me. All right. So, but before we start that. Um, I'd like to read some reviews. Do you mind if I read some reviews? Go ahead. Okay, so、um, you know, as、uh, as we've been talking about、uh, in the past few episodes,、uh, we do put a lot of time into the podcast,、um, and you know, running a podcast is is not free for us. Obviously, the content is free for you to listen to, but、uh, on our side, we do have running costs. You know, equipment.、Uh, we have a server cost, etc., etc. So it it, it Does cost a pretty penny. Now, th- while there's no direct way for you to contribute to us if you like our content at the moment, there is a way for you to pay us, and that way for you to pay us is rate, review, subscribe. Now you've heard this on all of your podcasts, but it it's true. It, it works. That's why people talk about it. And、um, you know, we've got a lot of reviews. And I would encourage you, if you like our podcast, to also maybe、uh, when you have some time, drop a review,、uh, tell people why you like the podcast, and help us spread the word. Tell a friend, tell a family member. So, with that said, let me read.、Uh, let me read two reviews today. So, the first、uh, review that I want to read is our only review that's not a five out of five.、Um, so, this review is by Bill. Wilkins Ghost, and、uh, the the title of the review is Pens Not Politics. Thumbs down. So the review says Pens Not Politics. Thumbs down. He gave us a one out of five. Thank you very much, Bill Wilkins Ghost.、Um, I assume you are referring to、uh, our episode where、um, we made a call 
to stand against police brutality. And I guess if that's political to you, I don't know. I, I, I guess you're just very lucky not to have to think about that. So, you know, feel free to not listen to this podcast because, you know, we do have people who are affected by politics and who aren't as lucky as you. So that's our one out of five star review. And the, set, the others are all actually five star reviews. So I'm very uh, grateful for that. And I want to read a review then by... Um, I want to read a review by Alol4716. A-L-O-L-4716. Alol4716 says, Fantastic podcast. This is a must-listen for anyone interested in stationery. CY and Jacob provide informative takes on nearly every type of stationery you can think of as well as what the Japanese stationery scene and market is like. My favorite parts are when they talk in detail about the people, vendors, makers, influencers, behind the products that we love, and how their stories have helped shape the things we consume. So that's very nice, uh, Alal4716. Um, we, we do try to bring as much information as possible, especially the kind of things that we think might not typically be accessible information-wise outside of Japan. And I think, you know, us being situated in Japan, we do have a unique view uh, onto the market. So thank you very much, Allah4716. Now, uh, for the rest of uh, you who have not given us a review yet, please do consider giving us a review. I know that, um, you know, there it's obviously a hurdle. It takes some time to, to write out a review, but it would really, really help us. So if you're like Allah4716, 716 and you like our podcast please do consider leaving a review or if you're like bill wilkins ghost and you don't like our podcast um you know dm us privately uh or or leave a review and maybe we'll read it out loud and give us our thoughts give you our thoughts about that so um now with that out of the way i want to get into the heart of the interview right now um kind of skipping the regular acquisitions part of our podcast now I know you said that you're kind of uh, the run-of-the-mill Japanese person, but that's not really true, is it? Because <laughs> you, you've you lived abroad a, a significant um, period of your life, uh, which is not something that, you know, regular Japanese... Guess, uh, yes. Yeah, not regular Japanese people do. Um, so I know you, you, you told us a bit about who you are, but give us a little bit more information. Um, what do you... What do you do for a living? Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of stationery did did you grow up with? Okay, so I what I am born and raised um, in Fukuoka, which is a southern city of Japan. It can be quite in the countryside, um, but I lived in quite the urban um, area of Fukuoka. And um, I just grew up with a lot of uh, local influence and um, I grew up at going to uh, public schools. So I had a lot of just really casual, um, like stationary culture around me. Um, actually, I lived in the United States um, from when I was six to eight years old uh, because my dad worked there. Um, and I just lived there for two years and came back to Fukuoka. Um, I spent my higher, 
I, I spent most of my education there up until high school and then I decided to uh, go to a university in London for uh, three years and a foundation course so that makes it four years yeah so let me just uh, pause you for a bit because you know we've already gotten into you know you said that you're kind of a typical Japanese but then you know you, you, you've led this atypical experience in Japan so I want to get to the early years because you mentioned that you uh, lived in the US for for a few years um, you know two years I believe it was um, do you remember much of it Yes, I do, actually. I remember um, a lot of really, like, um, I, I mean, your whole childhood consists of going to school, um, spending time at home. So I remember a lot of, um, a lot of stationery around me, especially uh, because I had to study Japanese. I had to keep up my Japanese skills for when I went back to Japan. So <laughs> I would have a lot of um, paper and a lot of... Um, study drills around me okay so you, you you or your family i guess uh, brought those from japan to the u.s or yes that's correct yeah my mom okay. imported a lot okay. in her suitcase and and where where were you living in the u.s um i was living in cleveland ohio um and jacksonville florida so. okay so not a huge japanese population there. no very small yeah. very small. and do you remember the kinds of stationery that were available in, in the U.S. while you were there? Um, I think it was... I, I remember, um, I guess, half of it, I think. Um, but a lot of it was, like, just your very 90s typical um, pen, pens and paper, all those Crayolas, all those mm -hmm. like Elmer glue and all that. Um, I, I, I think I was lucky enough to have access to all those things at a local uh, shop, but also uh, my mom was very into me drawing and like creating crafts. So she was very excited with me to to pursue some of my hobbies back then. Yeah. And so, you know, moving from your childhood in the U.S. and then coming back to Japan. So you, you mentioned just now that you would go to the local stationery stores in, in you know, Jacksonville and Cleveland. Yes. Um, when, you, when you came back to Japan, when you went back to Fukuoka, which is, it's not a small city, but it's not a huge city, I would say. It's, um, um, I guess it's like the fourth biggest city yeah. in Japan. Not a lot of people outside of Japan are like right. super fond with it. Yes. Yeah. Um, were you aware when you came back that the types of stationery that you used were different? I think, um, yes. Um, yes and no, because um, for one, um, when I remember coming back to Japan and getting a whole set of crayons. So like um, in the States, I would use like Crayola crayons or whatever. And, um, and in Japan, when I got um, like this set of what we call koopies, um, it's like a crayon, but in like a pencil form the whole texture of it like the the usage the purpose of it would be the same to like color in and color lines and everything but the whole texture was so different i remember thinking oh my god i'm so cool now like i have this whole set of new like colors to work with and then everybody else had the same thing <laughs> <laughs> for our art classes at school yeah and when when you make the comparison did you feel like that was a uh, something um, that you liked more 
the Coupe or or were you happy with the Crayola? Like when when you had a choice. So I'm assuming when you came back to Japan, you probably still had your set of Crayolas. Yes. You had your set of Coupes. Which one would you use? Um, the thing is, um, there's a I think it. I, a lot of Asians understand this, but it's a lot of like romanticization and of um, of American culture and American icons, really. So at first, I would be like, "Oh wow, like these Japanese stationaries, great! Um, I I really want all of them and everything." And then when you kind of like have access to it and you kind of um, have a certain amount, you start thinking, "Oh, I want something different. I want something like more pop and like more iconic, maybe a little bit." So like, um, and then all those Crayolas look cool all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like um, it's like something that other people don't have. So yeah, it was kind of a a thing that helped you stand out. Um, you know, from yes. the other stationery, which were like you know normal stationery. Yeah, say. I I I guess so. I and as like I grew older, the more prominent it got because there's a lot of stores in Japan um, which feature um, import stationery and imported goods that have all the all these like um, shapes and colors that you would not really see in Japan and then it would be it would just look really nice like as like pops of colors and then you would just start buying a series of it and there'll be like a flood of colors that you have yeah you know what um I I sometimes see that in uh you know obviously normally if we want like regular office supply stationery we go to local stationer and the stuff there is great but mostly it's a Japanese selection but then if you go to these like hipster cafes mm-hmm. um they sell like they they kind of brand themselves as like a lifestyle uh company and then they they are the ones that are selling like Bix yeah and, um, those oh, ones that, that they're not like God. very great stationary but because they're from the states that people kind of just buy them for the cool factor yeah it never looked cool until they just repackaged it yeah and just like rebranded yeah, bix I... and stuff like that yeah i totally see that um so i guess you've already answered my next question but uh when you were you more aware that stationery in japan was high quality or was it just stationary to you I think everything was uh, basically stationary to me um, and the v- variation that is accessible the variation that I would choose will be because I was living locally in Japan um, it was like I had more choices I had more um, I had more things to uh, look at and uh, because in the states we would just go to the local Walmart or like local stores, stationery stores to staples, staples, yes, staples to get all our equipment. But then um, in Japan, I would just like get on my bike and go to a hundred yen shop, where they would have everything uh, from everything including stationery but the stationery section was so big i remember thinking wow like if i could buy everything on the shelf like i would just be broke i would, i'd be broke <laughs> i'd be very broke in my uh, based on my um yeah based on my pocket money but then i would just be like oh i really want like all this all these series and all these kind like the pens come in 
six different colors seven different mm-hmm. colors that doesn't really happen in the states like yeah. so often so i remember thinking oh wow i have so many choices yeah i remember when i was in the states uh you know we'd go to you know cvs or, or, or target or whatever and there would usually be a section of stationery but they would always be very like a uh, standard i would say so you had your bix um you had your uh pilots like your pilot g2 maybe some pentel um but not so much in terms of like variety especially of colors so i think in the us uh what i remember most uh this was in princeton um was red black and blue with stand colors and if you were lucky there might be green mm. whereas in japan you have like oranges pinks purples yes pinks are big yeah. purples are yellows big. yeah yeah um and We've talked about this uh, off the podcast a bit, um, you know, when we were preparing for the show. But something that I found quite interesting and quite amusing is that, you know, I I grew up in Asia as well. And and we had this. um, uh, So in Hong Kong, uh, when I was growing up, we would obviously everybody would have their their own stationery. But something that was really big were these uh, pencil cases where they were kind of mechanical. So you would push a button and so it's a big box right and you push a button and the and the storage for the eraser or in hong kong we called it a rubber um but so that that compartment would shoot out or like you'd push push another button and um and pencils would shoot out and stuff like that did you have that in japan oh yes that was a very big thing the rubber compartments and the pencil compartments yeah yeah. but um like i it was kind of like a luxury item for the kids. It's the biggest luxury item that you can have at school where there's so many rules, so many things that the teachers set for no reason. And stationery was a big way to stand out from the crowd. Mm-hmm. So um, having a big um, elaborate pen case and having great... Oh, and actually in, in elementary school, we were not allowed to use pens for some reason yep, because too. they were permanent. Um, so having a lot of cool pencils and a lot of cool stationery was a social, um, social like status thing. Mm. Among us. I remember that you know obviously, back then it was I think things were a bit more gendered than they are now, but the boys would uh, use these like mechanical um, pencil cases and we would uh, use the compartment and we would have our erasers outside and then we would press the buttons to make the compartment shoot out to hit the eraser so that it would be like a like a soccer ball like yes a football. i i had i had a mean pen case yeah <laughs> like that i think i remember having a mean pen pen case but um my mom was thinking that it was kind of a um a waste because everybody would like jam it every now and then yeah. like just playing with it too hard and the teachers would be really annoyed because they can't control and they're loud yeah yeah they're so loud like they just like shoot out everything they're just throwing everything yeah, they're loud they're There's huge no discipline yeah. but it was it was very fun it was very fun but um something that you said earlier you know you said that that was like the the most luxury um pencil or stationary item back then when you were a student did you have this idea of like you know stationary as a social status i guess um that you know the cool kids have uh, a certain set of stationary and everybody would want to buy that kind of stationery. Yeah, like a flexing kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's like item. fashion. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, because all the kids would just ha- 
just hop on bikes and just go to our local stores um it's kind of like the finds that you have in those stores that will just make you stand out and look cool and i remember one of the first things that i got in the 100 yen stores was were the mechanical pencils that mm-hmm. looked like pencils because oh, we yeah. weren't allowed to use mechanical pencils at school <laughs> <laughs> so the smallest thing that i could do was to get a mechanical right. pencil that looks like one so like yeah. you know like you can just show it off and people would have enormous pen cases we would just uh we would just like show off our stationery and whatever we wanted to swap we would swap so like yeah. there was were certain trade values to them yeah so like you know, that that kind of became, I guess, a social activity too, right? Like during your recess, you would, you know, talk yeah, about very your, your stationery. Yeah, um, you know, we definitely had that as well. Um, my, my next question is more brand specific. Uh, I want to ask if, uh, because when I was growing up, we, we had our run-of-the-mill, you know, Pilot G2, but everybody had that. So I was using the Pilot G2. I love the Pilot G2, but... Once I found the Muji gel pens, especially in the 0.7 size, because my handwriting is uh, is kind of messy. So smaller sized handwriting, uh, so sorry, smaller tipped balls were not very good for my handwriting. So I really like the big balls. Um, And once I found the 0.7, that was my ride or die. And I would just shop at Muji and we had had these Muji and Muji obviously has a has a huge selection for paper I didn't really care too much but for the pens I really really um you know took that to be my daily driver and the 0.7s were relatively rare so that was kind of like my brand loyalty um in terms of how it is in Japan when you were growing up you know was that a thing and people find a brand that they like and they they just stick with it yeah I think they have people have their staple brand. Um, I think I'm the opposite to you, actually, because I used to love uh, very fine um, mm-hmm. points. And my favorite were the Pilot High Tech C, which is a very like classical ballpoint pen, but I really love the colors and how thin they are. Basically, um, basically the, the thinnest that you could get was a 0.25. Um, but I would just use the 0.3 all the time. And I just love how subtle the colors were, like uh, the brown tones and the violet tones, I really loved. And I love taking colorful notes. So um, it was a thing to, for me when I discovered high tech C, I was like, I need every single color of it. And I think um, a lot of people, they either find it or they just like dabble in here and there. And it's very, the people who are very into it, you would know who that person is mm-hmm. in class. Yeah, and you know we're now looking at the the website, and there are ten colors to the high tech C. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. Okay, so not everything is on the website. No, this is just a, a distributor. So okay, so which one was your favorite color? Um, mine was sep. I think it was a sepia-ish brown color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what about your friends though? I mean, did your friends? Uh, is that something that you saw commonly? Uh, across your your social groups as well that people would find something that they like and really just stick with it yeah I think especially uh, when you're like a tween or uh, when you're starting off in middle school people kind of establish try and establish their character with whatever possession they have so stationary was a big part of it 
with the school rules still being very strict as well. Mm. I mean, we would break the rules, but then um, stationery was a big component to that. So, um, and all the character stuff were very big, the Hello Kitty stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And all these characters um, that popped up in the early 2000s, like that was kind of our thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked a lot now about you know, growing up with stationery, you know, as a student uh, in Japan in Fukuoka, I want to shift the focus a bit to your move to the UK. So you've graduated high school and, and you've moved to the UK. Mm-hmm. When you moved to the UK, were you? Um, was it in your conscious consciousness that um, that stationery was different? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I grew up in Fukuoka, and during my high school years, I didn't really have great grades. But then I took—I think I took beautiful notes. So I'm the type—the the type in class who uses all the colors that you would have in your mm-hmm. pen case, and I would learn a lot from it. Really, but like in when when I went to when I started going to university, I just realized that it was kind of pointless to you know like have a colorful notebook but like not really just like it not as long as like the class is going on and like everybody is trying to take notes it's all to do with just having one pen and one piece of paper really for um most of us so do do you think that that kind of idea uh stemmed because you found that actually having all these colorful notes didn't really help you or was it because there was uh, um, there just wasn't that many colors in in the shops um I think I think there were not that many colors in the shops to be honest I mean I I went to a school in um, in a what we call the zone two era area in London, um, which is not central to the city, but it doesn't really have like nice. Um, we didn't really have like the nice shops either, so we only had the shop in our um, campus, and it was they would just have the Pilot like um, Friction and um, the Pilot G two, not very much else. So mm-hmm. um, I I was and also it was kind of we were shifting towards the the laptop and Mm -hmm. iPad stage like in my years. So, um, so I want to ask you also that, you know, obviously the shift to digital probably did make a a big impact. Um, but you, you mentioned something that, you know, because there's not so many options, you know, pilot G2s, maybe it was less fun, you know, um, as an activity, it wasn't a social activity anymore. It wasn't a social activity, and it was not about uh, collecting certain items, really. Um, but also, one of the places that I really loved when I was in London uh, was going to this this franchise shop called Paper Chase. I mean, I would just go to a lot of vintage shops and a lot of crafty shops where they sell antique like ribbon or buttons and things like that. But and the street stalls but paper chase had so many kinds of paper and so many kinds of um so many kinds of like small business made um made stationery that you would not see um and in japan i think these small business stationery goods 
we lacked access to in Fukuoka, definitely. Um, and yeah. I didn't realize what I was missing. You know, now that you, you talk about it, uh, I realized that, yeah, I, I lived in the UK for, for, uh, for a while as well. And maybe the UK is more, I'd say, notebook and um, the uh, notebook binding yes. focused. They're more um, binding technique focused rather than, than a new product focused. Yeah, right? and they're beautiful. So. Yeah. Um, so, so you're in the UK, uh, not a lot of options, um, but you had friends from all over the world, you know, being that you were a university student. Did your friends ever ask you to bring them stuff from Japan? Um, yeah, so I had some of my things in my collection and then my friends would be like, oh, wow, where did you get it? Like, I, can I have one? And, and, you know, um, and I it would it would be very random things and um, one of the first things were I think washi tapes because they kind of started popping up when mm -hmm. I was early in high school so I thought I was kind of cool for having right. that and then everybody was like wow I've never seen these before right. and later in my university years they would have them at shops and everything then pop up but um, I would give out washi tapes i would give out um some stickers i would give out some pens um a lot of um uh, my friends didn't really know uh, how to use friction pens mm -hmm. that it was <laughs> kind of like that um level so but it was also quite new back then right because I, yeah. I remember when i was in middle school the friction pens uh were released to the market so it must have been like you know your high school or just the end of your high school I think I think mid high school, yeah, yeah, that's when they started coming out. So, um, you know, you were even if you have like one pen and one notepad for class taking notes, having a, a rubber yeah. eraser on it is is pretty and that was big. a game changer. That right? was a game changer, and yeah. everybody was like, "Wow, the blue black is so beautiful." Yeah, and yeah, so, uh, you know, when when people ask you about washi tape, you know, that term doesn't exist. In Japanese, no. You know, in Japanese, we call it masking tape. Masking, but masking tape. tape is it's something different in in the West, right? Yeah. Uh, so when they said, "Oh wow, washi tape," did you know what they were talking about? Uh, no, no, no. They were like, "Wow, what is this masking tape? What, what, why? How do you use it? Why do you use it?" Because I went to an art school, so everybody had access to okay. the normal masking tape for their okay. paintings or their designs, and no one had seen it with patterns. So they were like, "Wow, what, what kind of like, how do you use this? Like, mm -hmm. other than masking purposes, right. why do you have to have a masking tape with decorations on it?" Right, right. And I just like put up all my like little uh, photos on the walls of my bedroom with the washi tapes, and then they're like, "Oh, now mm. I get it." And then I think the term stick to like very late in my okay. university years. So, so you you mentioned that you went to uh, quite an artsy school. Um, you know, talk to us about the equipment there. Um, I think because our university was um, mainly. Uh, it, it wasn't like a very high private school. Um, it was more of a very um, open to the, the community, like very, um, it wasn't. I mean, it's part of the University of London. It's part of the University of London, but like it wasn't like very like, uh, we, we weren't the the top of the top, like the rich 
colleges right. with a lot of supplies. We had to use a lot of reused material, like equipment and facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the um, equipment, uh, the stationery there was no exception because I took some illustration classes, I took some animation classes. Everything was so standard, and I was like, "Where are all the stationeries?" Like I am, mm. like when you say standard, well. What are you talking about? You're talking about the like pilot run of the mill pilot ballpoint pens, big. So well, what are you talking? Well, we didn't really ha- even have access to those standard pens, let alone like paint and um and stamps and things like that. Um, like the all the materials that you would have in the art room would be just basic, like a generic store generic brand. store brand that you can't even identify what it is because someone's like like torn the um, label off and mm. you know like you, you would have to create your own basically okay. so then in that environment given that you brought some stationery from japan um so I, i'm guessing that that was actually a uh, quite a big point of interest for a lot of people yeah it was like a very like social thing again where people are like wow this is so cute like where did you get it um like how oh i i well, but then again, I had a lot of friends from overseas, um, mm-hmm. from Asia as well. So they're mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, like, um, w- like, look at mine. And like, I have some stationery from Asia too. Um, and we would talk about it. And, right. and yeah, and it would be a, it would be a great, like, conversation starter. So, um, you know, to, to kind of wrap up this section, um, your, your stationery uh, kind of journey was social in Japan, but it was social in the classroom, right? It, w- it was social as you were writing notes or comparing with your friends. But then when you went to the UK and went to university, that no longer became the case. Um, the, the social activity was kind of taken out of the classroom and more into um, your extracurricular kind of activities. Like you said, decorating your room yeah. or maybe having a scrapbook. Uh, you know, I, I know you, you've kept some scrapbooks or uh, some, you know, photo books mm-hmm. uh, that, that you decorated with uh, with the stationery that you had on hand. So it kind of became less of a in-school activity. And so in school, you wouldn't really uh, be using or be conscious of that anymore. But outside of school, uh, it, it became... It became social in a different way. Would you would you say that that's a correct assessment? Yeah, um, when you put it in that way, it's really interesting because I thought I I was growing up with all these things, uh, all these um, access to small um, stationery, affordable stationery around me, and collecting it was a big part of my life. And having that like kind of put into my personal box really to like when once they started higher education and I didn't really have normal access to it anymore it became um a very private but also just like a very like extended part of my um my um social life like mm-hmm. as something mm-hmm. totally different yeah so um now I want to move to um the part where you've graduated from university and you're now looking for a job and you know it's it's kind of a stereotype for Japanese people to be a uh, very uniform um, and uh, and non-distinct I would say um, I remember when I was applying for jobs 
it was funny because I, I wore a suit, but I wore a uh, very, very dark navy suit. <laughs> um, and I wore this bright blue tie <laughs> with, uh, with gold um, on it in this uh, kind of laurel leaf patterns. And uh, so I went to the Boston Career Forum in that. And, you know, the, everybody around me had black suit black tie looked like they were going to a funeral um so when you applied for for jobs um and and at the same time you had all this colorful stations masking tape um talk to me about how applying for your job kind of affected your mentality yeah so first of all i would say that your stereotype what we say that is a stereotype is pretty true because it's actually it actually is the case um and yeah i also went to boston career forum as well and i was devastated i was like why do i have to kill my personality just wear this boring suit boring shirt um and everybody so you wore it yeah i I got (laughs) myself a whole set and i was just running around trying to find the most plain suit that you can find yeah. um in the uk like i just went to like next or something that's I funny just, yeah. like I said, it was it was pretty hard that's and funny. like i had i it was like all these like kind of like liberal arts years and then like they were like yeah just going into yeah. go into the system and now like your yeah. personality like doesn't matter anymore yeah. and um going to boston it was interesting because a lot of girls were really extravagant like like high heels like patent black because like even patent is considered a little bit of a no-no in the japanese like um like job searching community so um so i i was thinking wow these girls are rebels just looking at that but like then like i have wait 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 uh, before we go on let's set the context okay for i think uh most of our our viewers pro- our listeners probably don't know about the boston career forum but it's this one weekend in boston where boston becomes japan it is yeah, yeah. so strange and and there's literally like thousands or tens of thousands, tens of, thousands yeah. of of students from all over the world descend into boston and um i think that weekend i only heard japanese yeah I flew in from um, London, and I was like, I did not know I came back to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was that many, like, all the clam chowder restaurants were filled with Japanese yeah. students. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for sure, weird. For sure. Um, but, yeah, so basically, like, I brought, like, little bits of, like, um, of the trinkets that I would I would have, like, as a part of my stationery package. Like, I had a, I had a small bag. Like, it was, like... Um, like two handfuls of basically um the the stationaries that i would usually have but then i would have no time i would have no opportunities to use it because all you would use are black signal to write your uh cv handwritten everything has to be handwritten i remember writing like 10 sheets all in yeah. signal and now i hate signal i, I remember that i remember that because um because even in, in my time not so long ago, um, we w- when you applied, we had the opportunity to actually fill in a digital application already. Oh, no. So we didn't really? have to do everything by hand. But, but some companies would still require to 
require you to write um, not just your CV by hand, mm. but also uh, they they call it the entry sheet, the entry which is sheet, your yeah. application. Um, you had to write that by hand too. So so there was a system where um, you know you wrote one CV and it got distributed to everybody, mm-hmm. um, all, or all the companies that you applied to, and then your entry sheet you'd have to write by hand. It is ridiculous, and I was like, I was cursing so much trying to write it because they how, consider writing in a friction to be rude. Like, how many um how many companies did you apply for? I only applied for two. Okay, so you, so you only had to write two. <laughs> um, but I actually like had to prepare about like ten to kind okay. of like give in to like all these like like um, recruiters around and like just pass okay. it on. So you know the average um, application for an applicant at the Boston Career Forum is twenty CVs. Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, poor children had to write handwrite twenty CVs with Signo DX. Yeah, I would see like like. Signal DX is empty. Like they were, they just dead Signal DXs lying yeah. out on lying around on the table because everybody used it, and everybody just stole like a Signal DX from someone and just like wrote all yeah. their CVs with it. Um, I remember when I was at Boston, uh, all of the stalls gave out these notebooks, um, these like really crappy yeah. notebooks, right? Oh, yeah. And there's kind of an expectation for you to take notes during the interview. Yeah, I would say, um, which. <laughs> I did. Uh, really? with you did? No. Well, I, I took notes with my with my fountain pen because I was only oh, using. Yeah. Okay. I was only using Fair. my my Mont Blanc. So you know that's another way where uh, the company's like, oh, this guy is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I spent three hours last night like trying to write a full CV because uh, I had to write. Well, we had to write everything in one go because using whiteout was a no-no yeah, no as well. Use you whiteout, couldn't yeah. use whiteout, so I was like, I spent three hours writing this CV so that it can be perfect. So why do I have to take notes? Like, why yeah. do I have to like further take notes? But I, I, when I was applying, uh, I specifically chose only the companies that wouldn't require me to handwrite. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know. You 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 went to Boston Career Forum. You went to Tokyo um, International Tokyo Career Forum, Forum, yeah. And you eventually managed to get a job. Yeah. Uh, so what what do you do? Uh, you know, generic is fine. You don't have to be specific. But you know, what do you do for a living? Yeah. So um, I've been working in the game gaming industry for a Past long 10 years. time now. Yeah, yeah, about ten years now. Um, and I thought that it was really like cool and digital and everything um not knowing anything when i was in those career forums yeah it turned out to be a l- lot more analog than i thought yeah I, I saw a picture of your your office and uh you know it's it's something not your it's new something, office yeah. uh, your your previous one um but i want to talk about the the office environment because i you know that's where you spend the majority of your life right yeah you sadly yeah, <laughs> but hey, you when you go to work, your work is playing video games, so I don't want to hear about it. But what I do want to hear about is the kind of equipment that they gave you, because um, <laughs> in Japan, there's you know I think as with uh, most other countries in the world, you have like office station, and there's like a, a a bunch of stuff they can just take. So for example, in my office, um, we have a section of just you know stationary. It's usually some generic, uh, you know, not so uh, great stuff, um, yeah. but everybody just takes it from there and uses it. Oh, or in your company, how, how was that? 
did you guys order from our school? Yeah, we ordered. Oh yeah, same. So um, I think Kokuyo runs it, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have like a um, supply from Kokuyo um, all the time with the generic office yeah. materials, and um, a lot of um, a lot of us would use the um, the pens and the highlighters a lot. Um, lot of post-its, lots mm-hmm. of post-its, because all our gone charts would consist of post-its. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So so then I think. Most office stationery in Japan is probably Kokuyo, right? I would say probably yes. Yeah. 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 Um, were you ever tempted to to go back and use some of your more fanciful, colorful uh, pilots? Yeah. So I would have like a a small uh, pen case that was filled with all things that I really love. I, I didn't know about the fountain pen community for like un- until very recently. So I would just like have all these like colorful masking tapes and uh, and some um, and uh, sticky notes that are shaped like um, cats' butts. Really, that, so, that so was you my bu- favorite. <laughs> so you you brought your own stationery into the office. Yeah, I did most of the time. Was it is it common to do that? Who would you say? I think. To a certain degree, yes. Um, when you're in some meetings and you just get like bored and you just want to take notes um, with the things that you really like. And it's one of the small joys that I think that a lot of people seek. Um, a lot of people who are like engineers and people mm-hmm. like that, they would actually have like their own like specific set of stationery that they would prepare on their own and be like, it's like, kind of like your personal keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um I want to kind of uh, shift gears a bit and talk about planners. Mm-hmm. Um, the planner industry is huge in Japan, it's as huge. we know. Yes. Uh, we have, you know, your run-of-the-mill, like, let's say, Itoya has their own brand, uh, Romeo. Um, you know, Maruzen has their own brand. Uh, there are, like, all of these generic planning um, planners, I guess. Uh, they're not even diaries. They're, they're planners. They're planners, right? Yeah. Uh, they're like business use planners and you know every shop has them your convenience store has them there's planner season actually planner season started in september yeah uh which is insane because the fiscal year starts in april so yeah that's like half a year early right um so were planners are planners uh let, are, are they often used in in your office community yeah um st- so going back to when I was like in school, it was super common for us to just like go to the store every like end of the year, like my mom and my sister and I would just go to the stores and like pick out the planner for the next year. And I think um, like even in your professional life, there's like magazines, there's like articles where they would pick up all these planners, they would just push it and be like, oh, like this year, this is different. This year you can have this function in your planner. And so many people would just choose their favorite ones to work with and I think people would have smaller weekly ones um people my age uh who back just remembering my 20s and and now I'm in my early 30s but they you would have like small uh weekly planners with small stickers and small highlights um attached to it so that you can kind of decorate your week basically and did you use any of these planners 
Yeah, I did. I actually, uh, I wasn't a consistent user. I would dabble in and out, but um, I would have my weekly ones and my monthly layouts and just write in all my personal um, personal um, events that I would look forward to and just kind of decorate mm -hmm. it. And do you remember the planner that you used? Um, I use, I'm ashamed to say this, but I used a lot of, uh, a lot of generic, like, um, import things. So um, it was in those. mostly cost as a, as a factor. Yeah. Um, and it's also like the format that it came in. Um, I think, I think I really liked using Rollbond. Um, and I just liked how it came in different right, colors different co and covers, yeah. covers and it's so casual and like you mm -hmm. can just like take it around you can bind you can just like slap it closed with uh, yeah. and um, they're ring bound elastic. so you can rip out pages right? yeah those were very um, like easy to use I think I, I used about like three planners um, from them I, I really liked mm -hmm. it um, talk, talk to me about handwriting culture because you know in meetings now we're still mostly writing notes by hand and not me <laughs> i am okay. um but I, I noticed that uh most japanese co-workers that i've come across have very legible handwriting like even in english letters it's very clear very consistent and yeah. quite tidy and that's not what we see in the west i would say like like probably i don't know 30 to 40 percent of the people have illegible handwriting yeah. <laughs> right um so that that's interesting to me because you know you wouldn't think that in japan of all places that people would write so nicely and well in english yeah i mean like i think it just has to do with our education where like we grew up being graded on how beautiful like our handwriting is and um, and we don't really know the actual answer to it unless like you just go overseas and be like, oh, wow, like I was, I didn't know my handwriting was this good or this bad or what, you don't have anything to compare it, it to. It was just standard. Like, it was standard. Like it yeah. was part of filling in a test. And if it's illegible, you don't really get marks. You, go, you right. can't get marks your, graded for it. Your teacher would just, just grade you zero if, yeah, if they couldn't read it. Be like, nope, mm -hmm. can't read it. Right. So, um. You know, for those of you who are unaware, um, we are dating. So, <laughs> uh, so you 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 got into found. I wouldn't. I, I don't know if it's fair to say you got into fountain pens, but uh, when we first started dating, um, I I got you a uh, a Sailor Pro Gear Slim, uh, the um the yeah the Yukitsubaki. And that I think was was actually not your first foray into fountain pens. You actually had uh, something else before. Right? You had the kakuno before. Yes. Um, well, that one that Yukitsubaki is the most beautiful pen that I saw. Um, really, really, I was really blown away by how beautiful it was. I just like because my I had like casual interest in stationery I would dabble in and out every now and then and because I really liked using kind of sepia-ish tones or like a little bit of a watercolor-y color um wa watercolor like color I would I had some kakunos and I would just try some um different inks oh you had it. more than one I had two yeah I didn't know that I switched it out and yeah I had it in my small um, mm -hmm. pen case that would take to work um and i also had like two three brush pens as well yeah um 
So I, I want to talk a bit about your uh, return to the stationary hobby. Uh, that's been pretty recent, I guess. You know, uh, I got you this uh, this um, sailor, you know, three years ago. Um, but for the first, I would say, year ish after that, you weren't really into stationary. I I, I think um, it's really at the beginning of this year where you really picked up the pace yeah. and, and started really, uh, you know, getting back into it. So I want you to talk about, um, you know, how your journey or, or your descent back into this stationary hole, this uh, swamp, um, you know, yeah. your journey in that. So like three years ago when we first met, um, I think it was like on the second day or something when I noticed your your fingers were like dyed like with your inks like pretty red like a maroonish color. Yeah. Um, I think purple. you were using like yeah. purple ink or something and it wa half washed off. I thought you killed someone. Like <laughs> I was like, what happened to your fingers? Like why are they bleeding? Yeah, you're like, are, are they okay? Are they okay? Are they okay? I kept asking and I was like, and every time you said it's okay, it made me wor more worried. <laughs> to be honest i had no knowledge whatsoever about um like fountain pens and how things worked and you know like I, I think after we started dating you got a lot more into the fountain pens like you had mm -hmm. your fair amount of pens but you were living a very like like minimalistic um, like uh material amount like in your life that you kind of had about like 10 15 pens no i had seven. Oh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you had about like less than 10 pens that you would just take around. And then you just went like head first, just dived into the mm -hmm. um, hobby. And then I was like, what is this about? I, I was interested. I am interested and I, I look into it, but I didn't understand the full scope of the fountain pen um, area. And um, I... I think just casually looking at it from the side and enjoying the whole um, how you experience it and how how everybody else is experiencing it was very like intriguing to me but I didn't think how I could fit in or how I could utilize like these fountain pens to kind of become a part of my stationary yeah like my casual stationary life and i i think that that's that's a very important distinction because um i think there are people who are interested in the pens for the pens so that would be yeah. you know, me but for for the vast majority of people uh you know you, you want to know how to use it and if it's just about the pens and you know maybe some paper you know my my notebook is very generic looking notebook right yeah. so it's not fun but uh we got you a plotter and you know uh from the beginning of this year we really started to to get into you know different ideas for using like washi tape yeah and uh and um we you know went stationary shopping together and actually you've really you know spent a lot of money now <laughs> <laughs> on this um yeah, I mean, because when you're a student and when you have like 1,000 yen a month to spend on um, whatever, 
your stationery as your pocket money you really have to kind of like trim down and like edit and like just really just get mm -hmm. really reasonable like affordable essentials but then when once I just went back to like look at what I want to use and what I want to write with especially like this year being crazy like we were in quarantine for such a long time and I just like um took a look at like what I could get and I was like oh my gosh like all these stationary variations I they were not with me back in my days when I was really interested yeah. in it so like when, once I started getting back into it I was like wow there's so many ways to use these yeah. and items. this is cute that is cute <laughs> yeah and like the what you think is cute really changes over yeah. age and like you, all these like new discoveries of what what kind like all the um the it, not specific characters or not specific colors don't really draw um to me don't really speak to me i really like exploring all these different designs and and patterns now right you're really into patterns yeah i love texture and patterns yeah. so so um tell our listeners what you're using what's on the table now um so right now i have the plotter that you got me i really like the plotter because um the refills are beautiful and right now in the plotter i have some journal uh, i have the planner that i'm not using right, that much calendar. um the calendar i have some journal um journals going on and also i have a pocket which can be attached to the um notebook so that i can fill it with uh, loose paper and yeah. loose little stickers right right now you have mostly stickers in there right yeah and labels labels a lot of labels um and then i have some uh Madison flake stick and paper stickers that you got for me as well um it, it's so cute the Madison stickers um they have a little fountain pen and they're at the uh, ink lemon um the typewriter as well that and um some letters um letter sets yeah letter set stickers and i use this as well and stickers here are called seals yes weird uh, now that you mentioned it and also i have um a, i have multiple sets of kita which is a washi tape but it it's in small tag forms and they're kind of attached to one another they're like post-its yeah they're like po they, they look like post-its and i think it's very famous in the community now yeah. but um back in my day when, when i was a student like they didn't have it yet so now i'm getting back into it so i can use these um as post-its i can use these to label i can use these to decorate and i really really love the kita mm -hmm. washi tapes yep yeah, and um, and then um, I also have the Deco Rush stickers, which are transferable stickers that come in different. Patterns. Well, they're whiteouts, right? They're shaped like whiteouts, but they instead of whiteout, they're clear and they have pictures printed on it, so that yeah. you can kind of roll it onto your paper, and it would have this consistent like roll of illustrations that kind of pop out. Um, you know my love for Pokemon, so I have the Pokemon um. 8-bit um, mm -hmm. illustration set. I also have people sitting and resting set. I also have dancing girls set, yep. which sounds so strange, but it's basically like cheerleader 
Yeah. Well, that sounds strange now. Okay. Dancing, dance. Dancing girls. Dancing okay. girls, and then star little stars, and yeah. these can be used for planners, and it can be used for letters. It yeah. can be used for note taking. Yeah, so you just decorate your I mean, planners with this. It's it's super super cute. They're actually made by Plus, who uh, who we who, have talked yes, about uh, and extensively. Now, and now I'm educated thanks to Jacob and thanks to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love these deco rushes. There are so many. There are about like thirty plus, I think, more mm -hmm. kinds, and I just can't stop looking at them every time I walk into yeah. the shop. And then you're also recently you're writing a lot of uh, postcards. Yes. So my grandmother, um, uh, who I'm very close to, she's been hospitalized and she's fine. But like, um, I've been trying to kind of send uh, postcards to her every now and then um, to really to just kind of brighten her day, hopefully. But um, she really likes it. So I'm sending some postcards that are made by um, the Estlite bookstore. And uh, it's a collaboration with the uh, Cupido. Yeah. yeah, they're called Cupido, um, and they just make like very like whimsical, uh, fantasy-based uh, illustration designs, and illustration-based uh, stationary designs. And I really love the, their collection. So the other time, yeah, the Estlite uh, bookstore um, was such a great experience to just look at all their products and buy a whole lot from them. Okay, now I'm looking in your uh, sticker stash, and you've got a lot of stickers. <laughs> I don't have enough, though. <laughs> I don't have enough, like, variety. Okay. Because there's, like, 80% of my stickers consist of dinosaurs. <laughs> I so. love that. Um, Alright, so maybe we can close on a few listener questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So uh, we'll put a call out for uh, questions uh, on my Instagram. And uh, I just want to ask you uh, a select few. Um, the first question that uh, I want to ask you is a question from uh, Agnes Manalo. His or her question, their question uh, is, what is your paper, paper preference? Grid slash lines? And what about spacing size? Do you collect limited editions or limited editions from overseas? So um, I think as a casual user, I don't really collect limited edition papers. So um, I'm, not, I'm not that... Or even, you know, limited edition products. Limited edition products. Um, Most of your stuff. Yeah. It's because I buy them. <laughs> well, and it's because like they're at the at the front of the shops. Like they're right. like pre they're just featured, and I get drawn to them. But um, I think that's an interesting question because now coming to think of it, um, when I write in English and then when I write in Japanese, which is the only other language that I speak, um, I have uh, different preferences. So when I write in English, I really love um, uh, dot grids. They're my go-to. Um, I I just you can I think a lot of people know a lot more than me, and then they agree. But uh, when I write in Japanese, um, it's I prefer a lot of the gridded, the uh, three millimeter 
or the five millimeter graded lines are my preference. I think the three millimeter is, I prefer that more. But what is interesting about it is that when you write in Japanese, you have different forms of character. You have the Chinese based, um, uh, the Chinese characters, and then you have the Japanese based characters, which are hiragana. And you, in school, you learn how to space and how to fit them in a complete square. So the four grids would cons consist a perfect square for me to imagine um, how to place, how to write um, spacing and how to write each of the characters in balance. So I think the grids are really help with that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, from next year, we want to start doing Hobonichi because their uh their grids are actually dots yeah so they're, they're so beautiful they're dotted grids which you know i mean at least for me if that's like the best of both worlds yeah like the Hobonichi planners i think with quay's um quay's um introduction we just got into it but all the grids are just so like perfectly like designed so mm -hmm. that you can enjoy it in any, any language way, yeah. yeah that you prefer to write it with um all right so at patachan from uh instagram he asks what's your one piece of stationery that you can't live without that's a very very difficult question um there's um i think i think brush pens are the most important um, that I have consistently been using because of the brush pens. I, I like how they write and also in important parts of, um, I don't know, I, I think it's the same in a lot of Asian cultures, but in a lot of uh, event life events um, in Japanese culture, um, you use a lot of the brush pens. So when you go to a wedding, you have to uh, gift a lot of money and you just put it into an envelope but you have to write your name in a brush pen you go to a funeral you you give a little bit of money and you just write your name it's in like a signature a book right brush, brush yeah it's a yeah. signature book and you also have to write on the envelope as well okay. so kind of, kind of having a good brush pen is a very reassuring thing for all these mm -hmm. important times but also you can use it in a very casual form and you can use it like a calligraphy drawing, yeah. pen and drawing it's so versatile and like the quality especially the quality quality and affordable japanese stationery um for these brush pens it's just um it's i i can't imagine any better mm -hmm. really yeah so. all right um maybe two more questions yeah uh at ameru asks would love to know if they like any non-japanese stationery or what they think about non-Japanese stationery. Yeah, so I I really personally love non-Japanese stationery as well. Like, there's no um, difference, really. Um, it just depends on the product, on how um, it's presented and how it's sold. I think recently I've been looking on Instagram and I've been getting into a lot of Taiwanese stationery. Mm -hmm. They're so beautiful. The designs are so, like refined and so elegant um but i really like um the american stationery and the european stationery sold in stores when they're repackaged and they look really cool they're like yeah. pop icons yeah that you get drawn to less to use more to like flex yeah more a <laughs> lot of flexing yeah yeah 
All right. Um, last question. Uh, Inky Toro asks, "What do you think about the U.S. obsession with Japanese stationery?" I think it's quite remarkable. I think、um, as a local Japanese.、Um, I I think I've seen how empty, like for instance, has grown so much, and and it couldn't happen if it weren't for、um, overseas markets to recognize and appreciate the little designs that they have been doing, and I think、um, it's really interesting how Japan has become this one like iconic thing. Um, destination for stationery, and now when you know、um, when people from、um, the states visit and they they're like, oh, I want the stationery. I I can have a lot of like co- we can talk a lot、um, mm-hmm. of things in common, and they can I can take them all to like all these stores that I really love, and we appreciate like all these like details and design, and just really like these.、Um, Very Japanese things that even Japanese people weren't thought it was very like che- not、normal. not cheesy, very normal, nothing special going into and making and making it special for us to like realize how it's nice to have those again. So、mm-hmm. it's it's been a really interesting turn,、um, and I I think it was just not recognized until very、uh, until like. These ten, twenty years, and when I was when I was living in the states as a child, no one knew what I had. No, I was the mysterious kid in class who has strange pencils.、Um, but <laughs> it's so interesting to see how like everybody has recognized it and just appreciated it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. You know, I I speak on behalf of Jacob too. That, you know, really appreciate you、uh, coming in to talk about your experiences because you know your perspective on especially the cultural side, right? It, it's something that is、uh, very hard for either Jacob or I to to comment on. So again, we really really appreciate you coming onto the podcast, and、uh, and we, I mean, I personally had a lot of fun. So so thank you very much. Oh, thank you, and it's been interesting. And it's I've always been on the sidelines, just listening to you guys talk. And I didn't know if I was gonna be as interesting, or if anything anything close to interesting. But、um, I hope that th- my perspective provides a little bit of、um, the local culture here. Absolutely. All right. So、um, if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, you can find our past episodes、uh, by subscribing to us.、Uh, you can find our website, and you can find、um, you know a space for you to comment or discuss the episode on our website at TokyoInklings.com. You can find me.、Uh, my name is Cy. You can find me at my website,、um, TokyoStationPens.com, or on Instagram at TokyoStationPens, and. Uh, on Twitter at Tokyo Station MNH. My name is Akane. You can find me somewhere in the Instagram ether. But they can't because But, you're private. But I'm private. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye. bye.